Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. It is a victory edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe, and before we do anything else on the show this week, Matt Butler, take a bow, <laughs> sir. Well done, sir. Take a bow like Earl a Thomas bow. did on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that's what you did. That was actually really Boom. cool of Earl Call Thomas to do. like Earl Thomas did. Yes, I, uh, <laughs> I had a good feeling with Texas only because it was defense versus defense, and whenever you have a home underdog at home and then it's two strengths, it's like if it's going to be low scoring, take the points. But I don't know, winning by 17 or 14, you know, that's a lot. Yeah, now Matt called the win. Matt nor anybody else called the double-digit Figure win the for Old Texas. Testament style, but over they TCU. put on and you know turnover Christian University. Nobody really <laughs> called that either. I mean that's ridiculous. I mean that's well, yeah. I did. I'll give myself a little credit. I Young did say on the show last week. Hey, the was, one chance Texas has, Sean Robinson is careless with the football. You did, you did point that out. I will give you. But credit. I did not think the turnover battle would be won by Texas for nothing, and Texas would win this game, gentlemen, 31-16. So the Longhorns. Even after the debacle against Maryland, and even after showing against Tulsa that we'll probably never talk about again beyond the week we talked about the Tulsa game, Texas is 3-1, and 1-0 in the Big 12, ranked in the top 25, getting ready to go to Manhattan. And guys, needless to say, the season is starting to look up a little bit. Well, I remember when we started the season, we had, I mean, I had them at nine wins. After the Maryland game, everybody reexamined and I include the Longhorns, re-examine their expectations for this team. And now they're looking like they're a team that p- could potentially, and this six-game stretch ain't over because they no. still got the second half of the Purple Kryptonite, which we'll talk about uh, going to K-State where they hadn't won since I was playing on the 40 Acres. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, you can tell that it's different. The defense definitely has found their, they've found their identity. They definitely have found their swagger offensively. I'm just, you, you're starting to see some guys really step up and become consistent playmakers. That's Lil' Jordan Humphrey, Colin Johnson, and most importantly, Sam Ellinger is becoming one of those consistent playmakers. I thought they would need Sam Ellinger as the dual threat guy, the runner, Bam Bam Sam, to win the game. That wasn't the case. Actually, ironically, and even Gary Patterson talked about this, and people thought it was a slight, and he said they have a running back playing the quarterback position. I think he meant that as that's mm-hmm. just more uh, of a threat than he is as the, as the quarterback slash running back back quarterback there in the backfield. Quarterback and running back. Right, because he's so physical. But Sam beat TCU's defense as a passer, yep. as a pocket passer. I think the, the play that epitomizes the growth is the, the, the little Jordan Humphrey touchdown to seal it. Where, you know, he's back there in the pocket, he's got a little time, and then he looks like, oh, no, I'm about to run this thing. And he kind of puts his head down and miraculously, like, he hears some coaching, like, just, uh, mm-hmm. like, whispers in his brain. He keeps, he puts his eyes up. He puts his head up. He puts, he puts his head up and he keeps his eyes up and he decides, no, 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 I got time. Actually, this offensive line, 
has has given me a little bit more time. That's it. And he delivers a strike. And it was almost this moment where he decided to trust the O-line and trust that pocket, and maybe that's what Tom Herman and the staff have been trying to get him to do more is be that guy in the pocket. We know you can run and be the threat uh, as a rusher, and you can hurt teams that way. That's that's you as a natural football player. We know that Sam Ellinger can do that. Now we're trying to evolve you into being a, a great quarterback. That means you got to be able to hurt people from the pocket. That's what he did in the TCU game. Yeah, and you just said right there, at first I was going to talk about the offensive line because I really think it's a key that's really helped Texas have the offense. Just that you're getting serviceable to even maybe above average in certain spots, production there to where Sam now has time to find. Because last year the frustration is why aren't we get seeing the quarterback get the ball to these guys? But a lot of the time it's hard for your offense to be able to do everything if they're just getting obliterated up front. And you yep. see it more so in the NFL than in college, but when you have a mismatch, you just can't do anything about that. But you look at Texas right now, when you look at the, let's say, opportunity rate or even line yards per carry, Texas really good to where they're at least average 65, top 50. But defensively, when you're winning on the defensive line, you're a top defense against the run. It's so big when you just get decent enough play on the offensive line of scrimmage to where throughout the game you can wear them down on both sides. And I'll piggyback off you, Matt, because that's where I wanted to go was talking when you talk about decent enough. To me, that is the Texas run game right now. It's not overwhelming. They're not rolling people. They're not popping off eight yards of carry, six yards of carry. I mean, even when you factor in sack yardage, it's kind of deceiving. They average two and a half yards of carry as a team. But Tom Herman is a head coach now, guys. 27-0 when his teams run the ball at least 40 times in a game. 9-0 at Texas when his teams do that. And the run game, guys, is just effective enough to where you can continue to go to it and keep a defense honest. And on top of that, Matt, you mentioned the offensive line play, but I'll go a step further. We in this room, fans, other media members, and even the wide receivers in their own meeting room, everybody's been hard on that group for the last year. They're they're not physical enough. Uh, We've questioned football IQ, Rod, because of how bad they've been in scramble situations. Uh, They don't fight for the football. Their spacing is bad during routes, and some of that goes back to scheme. But I think this game was the most complete game I've seen from a Texas wide receiver group in a long time. I can't remember the last time I saw a a game that was this complete in terms of the physicality down to down. Situational awareness. Like You mentioned the the touchdown pass to Lil Jordan Humphrey. Mm -hmm. Go back earlier in that drive. Colin Johnson catches the ball short of the marker on the third down, and he's got one hand on the ground. He's literally clawing to get get to the marker. Devin Duvernay makes a tough catch to get past the marker on a third down later in that drive. So I think situational awareness. And I talked to Sam Ellinger about this after the game, and he said, I think, and I think we could all agree with this, he said, this one area where the offense is growing, he said, I think you can tell and we can tell we're so much better at understanding situations on the field than – they were even against Maryland earlier this year. I agree year. with that. So I think you tie all that in together. This offense is not overwhelming, but they're doing Effective. just enough of the things they need to do Effective. to open up everything else. And another thing on top of the offensive line thought that I had was whenever you were talking about Ellinger right in that specific play and looking downfield, the trust. Well, the idea that Sam now could – you have to build trust. You don't just get trust. And how could Sam in the pri- previous year, you know, have any trust that he could stay stand in, find that guy that extra second downfield, and then him being able to do that while you're getting good offensive line – that sort of just runs hand-in-hand hand with one each other, that maybe that trust is there because he just sees the production to where it isn't really – he just feels the pressure and knows, oh, wow, actually these guys are giving me time. 
Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you brought up uh, the receivers and they're playing a more complete game. They're doing the little things. I talked to Quan Cosby about this yesterday. I heard some of that uh, conversation. Yeah, they're blocking that better. Uh, but I think the coaches are now putting them in a better position, too. Uh, Tom Herman brought up the play, the uh, the touchdown to Colin Johnson, uh, where the diving touchdown mm. to Colin Johnson is a play where they decide to put both wide receivers on one side of the field, Lil' Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson. I think it's 20 personnel, too. I think it's two backs in the backfield. It ends up being that H-back and then a back in the backfield. Right. And then they put Devin DuVernay isolated on the other side by himself. <laughs> usually, and even Gary Patterson uh, remarked about this, usually that means they're going to go to Devin DuVernay. Uh, speed matchup on the outside usually means an isolated skinny post to him. That was the tendency. And, and remember last week we talked about well, if you're going to go up against a guy like Gary Patterson, got to break your tendencies. Mm-hmm. You got to use his prep and use his film study against him. And Texas broke their tendency there. Not only did they have their two best wide receivers over there in um, you know one of them in the slot, had Lil Jordan Humphrey in the slot, mm-hmm. but with Colin Johnson, I believe that's one of the first times he's run that post route from that outside wide receiver position, and that was breaking a tendency. So you're basically putting them in a better position where you can get them isolated in some one-on-ones. Hell, even Lil' Jordan Humphrey in the slot right now, I believe he's like top five in the country in receiving yards from the slot. I believe he's third, yeah. Uh, yeah, third there you go. Right so, you know what I mean? So I, I think they're I utilizing right now those yeah, guys a, 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 in a better way too. And I like how you pointed that out because just watching the way the NFL has been scheming, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but whenever you're able to put, say, your guy like LJ in the slot and have him sort of on that progression with the best receiver oh, yeah. next to him, it's the same way when you see, watch, la- or we were just hearing Casey Studdard yell about Ridley well the whole reason that is is because Julio and Sanu is in the slot over here while you get your speed guy on the opposite end like Ridley that's your Duvernay same thing you're doing with Christian Kirk right now out in uh, the Cardinals where you have Fitzgerald in the slot you're building your tree so you can read two guys you can actually pick up if you get the underneath coverage then you can go over the top to Colin and vice versa or if both are allocated and sucked in it gets you that one-on-one well, on the and other it side crystallizes the read quicker it for makes the, it easier for, the for him for his and, one you know and I mean? two in talent when you, when you got a talent like that in the slot you can't afford to try to and play too many too many shell games you can't right. afford to be out of position when Little Jordan Humphrey or Larry Fitzgerald's in the slide. Like you better get, you better get next. To, you better get your alignment and assignment. That defense needs <laughs> right to have there. a Kenny Vaccaro shadowing Tavon Austin. Yeah. That doesn't happen in college. Exactly. Like those very few things ever happen in college. Good point. I, there's another play. There was several plays in this game, and I want to talk about the offense because to me it's easier to talk about the defense. But I think we need to really give this offense credit because again, we've been really hard on this offensive staff, and I think this is two games in a row, guys, where they've had a really good plan coming in and stuck to the plan and saw it through. And as the game went on, they kept making adjustments and going back to stuff that worked and, and trying to – it seems like they've really, Rod, figured out kind of who they are. They're not going to be a, an offense that just has elements in there where you can instantly create an explosive play. You've got to do things that are going to set up your opportunities to be explosive. Exactly. And this wasn't an explosive opportunity, but you go back to the first touchdown drive, and there was a fourth and fourth to TCU 41. Uh, they had their 11 personnel grouping in, but they went four wide. They had you know uh, doubles on the Twins on the short side mm-hmm. of the field and on the wide side of the field. And going to that boundary side, they had Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey in the bound, into the boundary with Lil Jordan Humphrey in the slot, Colin Johnson out wide. And we talked about the kind of the chess match between with Sam Ellinger and Gary Patterson and then with Todd Orlando and Sean Robinson. And it's pretty clear, looking back on it now, 
who won that chess match. Yeah. Texas won that overwhelmingly. And you see Sam check to something. I don't know if he checked a protection or it was a package situation and he checked to this play. But I loved it, Rob, because you saw TCU adjust at the snap where they they were running some kind of man coverage and they ran a double slant concept on that short side of the field. So the safety had to commit to Lil Jordan Humphrey. You had Jeff Gladney playing outside leverage on Colin Johnson. That's an easy, easy pitch and catch yeah. on a fourth and four. Boom, you're moving the sticks. And I know that's something that's a play, and I wrote about this. I have a, a story up on the site right now on Horse 24-7. Five, five plays Texas made that changed the game and five plays they had to overcome to win the game. That was one of the plays to me that changed the game. It's not you're going to look at the box score and say, oh, yeah, they converted to fourth down. But to me, that goes back to this offensive staff, like you said, breaking tendencies and looking at matchups and doing a really good job. Rod, we said this on the pregame show, you, uh, myself, and Aaron Hogan, when we were on the pregame show. And I said, if Texas wins this game, it will be because this staff was really good on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday putting together their plan and implementing it and carrying it on the practice field. I, I thought this was a great job by the offensive staff for a second week in a row. No, I agree with you. Um, they And I, I like the fact that, you know, the passing game, it seems now that it's evolving because now they're running slants is something they didn't run a lot of. I hadn't seen that on. much. Yeah, yeah. We said, well, in the last couple of games, I think we've seen them run slant routes and attack the middle of the field at times. So I, I do. I think the passing game is evolving a little bit. I, I think it can still evolve even more. I don't know if the running backs were involved as much in the pass game as a pro spread Tom Herman offense would like. They they um, weren't, but there was one play, and I'll, again, this is one of my plays that changed the game. If you go to the Colin Johnson touchdown drive where yeah. he makes the diving catch, early in that drive you've got a third and eight. And you know, I know you guys talked about the little Jordan Humphrey touchdown pass where Sam kind of – he drops back, he steps up, then he pulls back. He's got yeah. his eyes downfield, and he hits little Jordan Humphrey. This was one where I, I thought Sam Cosme played a really good game, but this was one of the few times where Ben Banigou came screaming off the edge mm. and forced Sam back inside. And normally, Rod, last year or even a few games ago, Sam probably tucks that ball, runs, and on a third and eight maybe gets four yards, yeah. and then you've got to make punt the decision, it. do yeah. we punt, do we go for it, what do we do? But he steps up in the pocket, he keeps his eyes downfield, and then sees Trey Watson wide open in the flat, Hits him with a little check down. Trey Watson beats in his games to the marker before he gets bumped out of bounds. Boom, you're moving the sticks. You get a touchdown a few plays later. Yeah. This is trust in your teammates. And to your um, point, <laughs> Sam trying to do everything. He was the Sam Ellinger show last year. He didn't have to do that now. He actually he's got he's got help in his you know, Matt brought up the offensive line now having some cohesion that allows you to now take advantage of little Jordan Humphrey, Colin Johnson downfield, gives them a little bit more time. So now there are just more elements uh, to the offense, more threats on the offense. I, I'm with you. I, I don't know if it's an identity just yet, but it's effective. I don't necessarily think they have an idea. I don't. I mean, I don't know if they do anything like better than anybody else. You remember that scene at the end of the Dark Knight where? Batman's running through the alley and the dogs are chasing him. And, you know, yeah. Commissioner Gordon's telling that he's like, what? His son's like, why are we going after Batman? He's like, you know, he's the hero Gotham deserves. He's just not the one we need right now. Yeah. This isn't the identity Tom Herman wants, but yeah. it's the one he needs right now. It's, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. And, Jeff, how you said that, you know, it might have been a play that Ellinger would have maybe, you know, ran in previous times instead of standing in there just to prove that your eyes didn't deceive you. Texas's run rate on passing downs 
It's top 15 in the nation. Like, we run the ball more than almost any team in the nation on third down, and that's mostly Sam, and it's just because he has that ability to extend it. But then just to see that right there, that he comes through and make a play with the hands is big. But if you want to answer a few things that Texas does do well, if you rank it just nationally, the good thing, first and goal success rate, Texas is 16th in the nation to where if Texas gets into the red zone, maximizing and staying on schedule after first down, that's one big thing offensively. That's about the only thing if you don't I mean you got a few others in the top 25 but those are the only two things that you could say that Texas does really well and not turn the ball over yet in the red zone uh I know I'm gonna jinx this but I've got to say it Sam Ellinger hasn't put this offense in harm's way in either of the last two games and he's got a streak right now this wasn't even in the game notes this week this is something I had to like do my own research and look at you realize he's got the ninth longest streak in school history of consecutive pass attempts without interception. Oh, damn, that's good. He's at ninety-two going into good. the uh, going into the K-State game. Yeah, that no. vast quantity. No, I mean this offense. It it because I remember the first scrimmage of the offseason that the Texas offense won. Doing air quotes there because um, the defense, remember, reportedly was dominating the offense the entire offseason. Mm-hmm. And Tom Herman said, yeah, the offense won the scrimmage today. And everybody was like, man, what happened? How did they win? He's <laughs> like, well, we didn't have any turnovers. We didn't have any penalties. That was it. That's why we won. That was the reason we won. He was mm-hmm. like that. And we were able to move the ball because Sam of that. And Sam hasn't had, you know, I think he's had that fumble in the last three games, right? But he hadn't had an interception mm-hmm. in the last three games. And a penalty. I think they had only what four penalties. Four penalties. Yep. So they didn't beat themselves. Now yep. this offense, like you said, they don't do. They're not elite at anything. Mm-hmm. But if they just not, they're just not their own worst enemy. They're 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 good enough. Exactly. If they just with if the they way this defense own, is playing right now. They're kind of like me in math. <laughs> how I used to be. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> yeah. how I was in math. Like I wasn't good at math. But if I just did the 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 homework applied and I studied a little, little bit and applied myself. Then I wasn't I wasn't terrible either. Like I could get it, you know. What I mean, I was just good enough. Like that's this offense. I think it's in the Big Twelve. Their margin for error is going to shrink because there are a lot of teams that yeah. hell man they can score within minutes. You know, what I mean, that's not this offense. It's not meant. No. It can be quick strike. You can get big plays. We've seen it. But that's not really what it's meant to do. Yeah, and uh, if you look around across the way, we talked about sometimes staying on schedule and being something Texas does well. Right now, ranks 12th in the nation in average third down distance, just third and six when Texas gets to a third and six. So that's at least good where if you're ranking 12th on the shortest amount of distance needed when you get to third down. Manageable. Yes. Yeah. Well, what Sam can see is a threat as a runner. Exactly. Well, Rod, another thing this offense is meant to do right now it's meant to close games out. And when you look at what Texas is doing, I've got to find it here in my notes, but I believe they are outscoring teams. I want to say it's something like 58 to nothing or 58 to six or something like that in the second half uh, in games during this three game win streak. I got to find the number, but I can pull yeah, it up. The two game one is 42 to three. I know from okay. the last two games, but I'm, I, I don't, I didn't go back to the, the beginning of it with Tulsa. But USC and USC and TCU, I believe they've outscored them in the second half, forty-two to three. You know that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I. I but it, it goes to something. I remember, you know, Tom Herman, you know, constantly bragging about the strength and conditioning of this team. You know, in the Big Twelve media days, he's kept talking about, you know, we lift forty uh, percent of the team lifts, you know, this much, and you know, uh, the team has increased their. Uh, 
uh, their their mass and their weightlifting and their, and their bench by this much. And we're like, all right, you know what? We don't even really care about all that stuff. There you go. I, but I now you think about it, it does matter because Texas in the last two games and in the last three, I'm sure you're going to give us a stat, the stat here, Jeff, but they've looked stronger, bigger, faster than their teams on the stretch. They, they looked faster than TCU. The whole Draymond, game. Draymond Jones of, of Ohio State said that was the fastest team he's ever seen. That guy's seen Clemson. Yeah. And he said Tech is so he said TCU didn't make that pass <laughs> on the field with Texas. And so and USC is a team that has, you know, they got blue blood talent. And Texas looked they looked stronger and they in the end they outlasted USC. So I know you got to give some credit to Yancey McKnight in the strength and conditioning okay. program I, too. I totally butchered the stat. It's just where last I two games, but it's very and, good. Yeah, in the last two games, in the second three. half, Texas is outscoring their opponents for so that's TCU and USC outscoring them forty-two to three. If you look at the last two weeks after the first quarter, Texas has outscored TCU and USC fifty-eight to ten. So, there Rod, we talk about fast starts. Maybe it's not necessarily a fast start. Maybe maybe it's just hey, just weather that storm. Just get through the first quarter, and that's when the you know we can start wearing on them with the conditioning that's going into halftime, right closing a game, adjustments. Big but, time. but more than that, guys, yeah. to me, whenever you're a good first quarter team, it's just like a pitcher seeing the t- batter the first time around, and then you're able to go and make that adjustment about what you're seeing. It's something. Watch Muschamp's defenses when they were here. It was always a first quarter, and then normally would be able to shut them down. If your team does that, it's a good sign to, of coaching. To me, it, go- it goes back to this. Is Tom Herman talked about this after the game, and, and look, you can again, you can take coaches' quotes for what they're worth, mm-hmm. but talk about this team having grit, and, and it's hard to disagree with that, Rod. When you just see the mental toughness this team's shown over the last two games, I mean, they were down fourteen three against USC. There was no panic. There was no flinching. There was no distress by anybody. There was a goal line stand. Yeah. <laughs> even so I, I mean, and I don't want to say this is some kind of paradigm shift for the program, but. Texas has shown some mental toughness each I mean, how many times last year under Charlie Strong did we see, you know, this defense they gave up a touchdown before the mm-hmm. half? Uh how many times did we see that would completely deflate this team going into halftime and it would take them uh maybe the rest of the game if they ever got any kind of momentum back. And they were able to come back after halftime. Now, granted, the offense did hit a stretch there where if you take out the kneel down right before the half, they had a stretch where they had thirteen plays and minus one yard of total offense. But yeah. Eventually, they're Patterson. able to get they're able to get themselves out of the rut. And I want to go back to again. I'm talking about the plays that changed the game. This isn't one that you know you look at the box score and say, "Wow, that was a play that changed the game." But Texas is down 16 to 10. Uh, they take possession of the ball with 8:37 to go in the third quarter, and this is coming off of that run where the offense had minus one yard in a stretch of 13 plays, not counting the kneel down right before halftime. They're backed up to their own five-yard line, and they get Keontae Ingram in the game, who had a hip pointer. It sounds like they gave him a shot and took it a while, I guess, to get numb or whatever. So it was some, I guess, tough trying to get him back on the field. But they got him back out for this drive. Uh, Rod, again, you mentioned it, that 20 personnel look. It's their 11 personnel, but they're showing kind of a 20 look. Yeah, they put the H-back. Yeah, with Andrew Beck as an H-back. But Keontae Ingram makes a great run. Ty Summers gets loose in the backfield. He makes a great cut and. Man, it's been a long time since you've seen – again, Deontay Foreman was a great runner but a different kind of runner. It's been a long time since you've seen a Texas back make the kind of jump cut that Keontae Ingram made to avoid the tackle. He, he finds a seam and gets eight yards. Four Keontae Ingram runs off the goal line, Rod. You're at your own 31. You're off the goal line. Now you can get into whatever you want to mm-hmm. do. It just shows you, again, this run game, you look at the final numbers and say, 
45 for 112, that's not a great day. No, it's not. But you can find sequences in this game where they really needed to lean on the run game, needed to get themselves out of the rut. They were able to go to the run game. They were able to go to Keontae Ingram. And, again, that's what that ties together what we're talking about with this offense. It's not an overwhelming offense. It's not a great offense. Maybe it's not even a good offense. But right now, it's good enough for them to win ballgames. It's effective. Yeah, yes. right now it's average, and it closes out games. Oh, and, yeah. and I, I, more important, you brought up the stat and the, the stat about Texas dominating in the second half and, and after the first quarter. Drew Lieberman, who's a great follower, I love Drew Lieberman. He's Drew's still our stat head on the site. He, did, he throws out great stats all the time. Here's one that shows this team is, is changing, and that, and I've said this about Tom Herman. He's still learning on the job. He's still growing as a coach. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the stats we throw out about, you know, them scoring first and his record, that's just to show you the trends of Tom Herman and how he wins games. But I think there is something starting to change. That was Tom Herman's first win at Texas when Texas has been trailing at the half. Um, that's big. It is come big. from behind the way, like, say, Tiger, Tigers never came from behind on a Sunday. And this it's is how, hard to do stuff This is like how that. big it was. Drew goes a little bit deeper. He says the Longhorns have not come from behind at halftime to defeat a ranked opponent since Oregon State in the 2012 Alamo Bowl. They dropped 13 such games since uh, over the past five seasons. Yeah. Um, so, there, yeah, it is something different about this Tom Herman team. It's starting to change a little bit. I agree there. They, they're good at fighting adversity. Um, and I think it's because they're identifying leadership now. You know who the leaders are on defense. You know they are on offense. The fans can tell you who they are. The players know who they are. And these are the guys that make plays when Texas is down in a rut. And ironically, a lot of these guys are young. Yeah. Yeah. It's Keontae Ingram that's going to step up and make a play. And it's, it's Caden Stearns who's going to step up and make a play. And that, I think, makes it truly unique that yeah. some of these guys are young. Great way to point out that just when you look at the players right now, the stars on this team, like – Texas, for the first time last few games, has had the best players on the field and multiple yeah. of them. And that's not something you could say of Texas for the past few years. You couldn't Agreed. say that anyway. And, like, Caden Stearns, if you just want to watch that return oh, against, man. he literally, ability, like, he's so much more fast, athletic, longer, crazy, and lankier man. than the entire offense. Now, they aren't fit to tackle people. I know they aren't taking proper angles. But still, his athleticism, it's like he's skating through every single other team. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. One more point on the offense, guys, before we move on. And we'll come back and talk about the offense, obviously, here in a little bit when we talk about K-State. But, uh, Rod, we mentioned receivers and the job they've done, just the, the coaching staff, the players, how much better that position is now than it was really at any point last year. They've stopped making, like, these massive rotations where guys are getting, like, equal number of reps. It's to the point now where Texas is one of only eight schools in the country that has at least two receivers with at least 20 catches. Colin Johnson, Lildred, and Humphrey are both over 20 catches. The only other programs that have two 20-catch receivers, Bowling Green, that's uh, 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 an air raid offense. Colorado State, spread offense. Hawaii, I'd be lying if I told you I knew what Hawaii is running, but I'm assuming it's it's spread. Uh, Minnesota, uh, Southern Cal, Texas Tech, and Washington State. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. So this staff – Again, credit this offensive staff because we look. It might sound like I'm being a homer or sucking no, up the aren't. staff or whatever, but facts. we we've been really hard on this offensive no, no, staff. No, no, that, that's uh, 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 first of all, they're not rotating the damn receivers anymore either, like they, they were. Right. Okay, so some of the stuff we were criticizing, it was well right. valid. Like right. that, that, that was that, that was ridiculous. He, they're the best damn receivers on good. the field. They should play. I told Quan about that. Quan was Quan laughed. He said, "Man, I wish somebody would try to take me off the mm-hmm. field." I said the same thing. I, my coaches never could take me off the field. Right. They, 
There was no way Bull Reese could ever call and Coach Akeem would ever call me off the field. If they did, I would scoff at them. Like, literally, scoff at them. You mean yeah. it's going to be a fight on this sideline? You try to take me off the field? So, I understand they rotate guys now, and that's a big thing, but your best players need to be on the field no matter what the football situation. Right. And that's that's my point. That simple good. solution, that simple, that little simple step, I think has led to them having more production. That, Just that yeah, part of it. That's, that was my point is yeah. this might sound like, um, you know, we're, we're kind of sucking up to the staff or whatever, but that's not the case because we criticize them for, like you said, Rod, simple things like simple. get your best players on the field. On, They've done a really good job at identifying, hey, these are our playmakers. These are the guys that need the ball in that's their it. hands. This is it. And it's like that's what we talk about all offseason. Like if this offense was going to change, it wasn't going to take – like it feels like we're seeing the stuff we talked about hypothetically in the offseason. Like I don't think any of us sat here and said this offense has a chance to be great. But it can be much better if you identify yeah. these simple things from last year that needed to change and change them. And one of them was know who your damn playmakers are, get them on the field, and get the ball in their hands. It's that simple. And they're doing that. Yeah. And maybe other – and honestly, at this point, they'll probably have Zach Shackelford back for the K-State game. Rod, I don't know if I play him at center because Elijah Rodriguez has been so good at center. Yeah. That's the one – center and left tackle are the two positions on that offensive yeah. line. I don't I don't mess with him. If you want to get Shackelford reps at guard – Right now? Go go, go ahead. Yeah, you know, if you want to get him work at guard, that's fine. But yeah. left tackle and center – Left tackle and center are the two positions. I don't – unless there's an injury, don't mess with it. Yep. I'm with you. I or or poor performance, which you're not getting yeah. poor performance from Elijah Rodriguez or Calvin Anderson right now. Not right now. I wouldn't mess with that O-line. That O-line, yeah, I'm with you. I think right now they got a good thing going. They got a good mix. Good yeah. mixture. And I love what Herb Hand's done. So yeah. so let's let's go ahead and talk defense uh, in the time we've got left. And, Rod, there's really nothing else to say except two things. One, I thought early on in the game, and, again, I'll reference my article, there was a third down by TCU on their first drive. They get a chunk yardage play. They're driving. You're thinking, man, it's going to be another one slow starts for the defense. TCU's going to get some points right here. But there's a third and three at the Texas 29. It's TCU lining up for the first short yardage play of the game. And Brandon Jones is playing inside the box. Mm-hmm. They hand the ball to Shea Wolanalua. He's got some room over the right side. And Gary Johnson and Brandon Jones stuff him, just yeah. stone him for a one-yard game. He's not even close to the marker. And the thing that makes a team, Rod, the, the TCU under Gary Patterson right now reminds me of the Oklahoma teams you had to play against early in Bob Stoops' tenure. I like that. when Because – what Gary Patterson did when he hired Sonny Cumbie and Doug Meacham, who's no longer there, but those guys brought kind of this wide-open, air-raid-style offense to TCU, they're able to be more wide-open on offense, but Gary Patterson hasn't sacrificed his principles of we're going to be the most physical football team on the field. Agreed. They haven't given that up. Yeah. So not so that's what makes t- defending TCU so tough is not only do you have to match up with the speed, you got to match and ex- maybe even in some cases exceed their level of physicality. It's really hard to do. But to me, Rod, that play right there, that stop by Brandon Jones and Gary Johnson, that to me set the tone. I looked at that and said, hey, I think this one might be a little different today because mm-hmm. if you're coming out and hitting TCU right in the mouth, and I talked to Gary Johnson about it after the game, and he said, when you're playing somebody like TCU, if you're not physical, you're going to be facing a lot of bad situations all day. Yeah. And he said, we knew we had to come out and be the aggressor, and I'm paraphrasing that, but they knew they had to come out and hit TCU in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I felt that. that I felt that they did that early on defensively. Yeah, I think they set the tone early on defensively. What I liked about it was, and obviously we talk about the secondary uh, with Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns. You know that group right now seems like they're ready to take the, the leadership role. And they, and I'll, I'll give Gary Johnson some props too. 
um, the back end for Todd Orlando. And this is the way he he wants it. I think is the way he likes it. Um, that group he has kind of funneled all the action to, mm-hmm. and that 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 central nervous system right there of Gary Johnson, um, Anthony Wheeler inside, Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns. They I mean they have excelled in that role. Um, and I, I'm going to do some research on it about Todd Orlando's defenses over the years, but I want to say as he has evolved, that's the way it's it's been. That's, that's his, how it was at U of H. Yeah, his defense everything, have evolved. Everything to that. started with you know two I mean? inside linebackers and funneled out from there. Yeah, and you know I like that he brought in, and we talked about this yesterday. He brought in some of the second team D linemen. That was not a that was not a huge drop off no. with Bimich. Who graded out really well for pro football? For pro folks, football. I think mm-hmm. they had him as the highest graded D lineman for uh, Texas. Yeah, I believe he so. Was. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Taquan Graham, who we know was playing well, and Wilbon. Honestly, I I I would like honestly I'd like a more of a rotation at D line since you talk about rotation of guys more than anything because you haven't really. Ha- I mean, I love Chris Nelson. He's played really well. I think Charles Amin, who is trending in the right direction. But, hell, you could actually use some other guys to step in and make some plays on that D-line. That's one position, though, Rod, and you can agree with this. That's one position where you almost have to rotate guys. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I should say a larger rotation of guys because yeah. I don't know if you've really had that. This is the first game where they've played, I want to say, all three of those can, guys. Can we say, can we say right now that they are truly too deep along the defensive line? They seem to be. The way it looked in that TCU game, I would say so. If not, they're really close. That's the first time yet he had thrown off. We had seen Taquan Graham, um, and we've seen those guys – uh, you know, sparingly. This is the first time he just threw him out there. Like, I, crucial situations, and, and they were out there. I'll tell you the guy that you notice it with the most, and this is taking nothing away from Damage or Taquan Graham. Yeah, but, without Roach, that's big. Yeah, but I mean, when That's why we're seeing these more bodies this past week. When that's Gerald cool. Wilbon's in the game in place of Chris Nelson, and I don't notice a drop-off. Yeah, you're doing something right. Yeah. I agree. No, I think that's Because, it, 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 Rod, you know, in an odd front, nose tackle is the most, it's the most thankless job you have and an odd front. Yeah. Like you're you're the dude, you're doing the the grunt, the grunt uh the brunt of the grunt work. Yeah, no doubt. About Casey it. Hampton work. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's really promising that, you know, we know we're light at linebacker, of course, because all you guys, Jeffrey McCullough, Anthony Wheeler, and uh Gary Johnson at this point. But now you're getting deeper on the D line and you're getting at least you're having more confidence in the depth at, at D defensive back. Yeah. Caden Stern's now playing at like I said, an Earl Thomas type level. Um, oh, by the way, uh, they will have the howl, all right, the howling tribute to Caden yes, Stearns and DKR. I, I'm, I'm guaranteeing it's going to happen at one point. Just remember, it was the Rodcast Nation that started it. There will be a lot of people that say they started that thing. They did not. All right, just like the Matthew McConaughey chess beat chant, just like t- the band, Paul The Tyrone band plays that now. Swoops, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that Rod B, the Rodcast Nation started that. So don't, don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. It will be there. Howl! Sooner or later, we'll all be doing. I'm a big fan of getting some of that NWO Wolfpack music. We can get in that in there too. too. Yeah. You know, what I mean, I'm going to talk to. I got a friend over there that I usually drop these ideas to, and they don't hit them. But Robbie has we'll people. We got people. And um, if you like No Country for Old Men, I Lobos. Oh, you know what? Oh, Dr. Ruben Pizarro. Yes, he's already on it. Friday already. El Lobo. El Lobo. Rod, you. I already called it. Rod, you look at this game and TCU. They're rushing yardage right around where Todd Orlando needs it to be. He's never. He's. I, I believe he's only lost mm-hmm. one game at Texas. He's something like seven and one. I think when yeah. they hold an opponent to, uh, less to, to, to it's less than 140 or less. 140. TCU's at 141. Um, oh, so they're yeah. right in that area right where you cusp. need them to be. But when you force four turnovers, you know. 
And yeah, whenever and, and that, that to me is... This yeah. is what you would call the wolf is the fixer of the Texas defense. Oh, damn. Pulp fiction. Well you stopped the run well enough. On the turnovers. You stopped the run well enough that TCU had to go to their throw game. And we talk about the chess match and how good Sam Ellinger was with the stuff Gary Patterson was throwing at him. Man, Sean Robinson was seeing ghosts. Yeah, he Ooh. was. All over the place. And that's a difference. Like, like when we heard uh, Patterson yeah. talk about how Texas had a running back at quarterback, it's because once you saw Sean Robinson didn't really run the first quarter and a half. Once they he realized didn't. it could be a part of the offense, they went to use him. thing was, is like you said, he can be loose with the ball. That's whenever Patterson's talking about, they have a running back there. He's used to running. He's running and guarding the ball. Yeah. We have a quarterback win a quarterback run game, and that ended up being, like you said, a guy that's reckless with the ball. It was. I agree with that. The, the one play that sticks out to me is the Brandon Jones interception because that was another one of those plays I mentioned in my article because if you look at that play, Rod, it was a really good concept. They had trips on that side of the field, and they fake a bubble screen. Tay Barber shows bubble screen, and P.J. Locke commits to him on the bubble screen, which yeah. I believe was, was his responsibility. Mm-hmm. But if you look at that play, Jalen Rager kind of has a delayed release, and he runs like a wheel concept up the sideline, and Kevontae Turpin. So it's almost not quite a post-wheel combo, yeah, I got but you. it's like a vertical with the, with the wheel coming behind yeah. it. And both Devontae Davis and Caden Stearns go with Kevontae Turpin on the vertical. And Jalen Rager's wide open. But the way Sean Robinson threw the ball, either that was the most horribly (laughs) underthrown wheel route I've ever seen at any level of football. He was thrown to a spot underneath and then missed it. Yeah. It had to slip or something. It has something because I don't know what he was. I agree with that. Because, like, even if you say. safe to throw it underneath, (laughs) but still, he had no way he should miss him by. If he had five yards to sail under over his head and still miss underneath, there was just a wide open pocket. Even if you say, well, he never saw Brandon Jones. Okay, well, then what was he doing? Was he a short? Was he going to short hop it? Like, he skipped. Rocks on the lake or, or what? Like, yeah. He's gonna miss a wide open guy potentially for a touchdown because he throws it at his feet. Yeah, I think he just panicked. Maybe he just panicked. But that's know. the thing. Like he was seeing so much, and yeah. there's so much different, bringing so many pressures, and the pressure that I that's love a, the that's most. That's on the playground. You make that your play 100. percent I'll yeah. tell you, you know the, I mean? the <laughs> that's a play that most uh, anybody other stands uh, throw that yeah. one. People are gonna look at the return Caden Stearns had on the interception and say that was the highlight. But to me, if you watch the wide angle of the interception he had on the trick play. It was exactly yeah. how Todd Orlando yeah. draws up a blitz, right? He sends two two people on the blitz. Close I believe it was a safety and a linebacker. And you see Caden Stearns rotating over as a replacement defender, doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But, Rod, something you talk about, I know Ahmad Brooks always talks about it, as a defensive back and a defensive player, period, you can't be a prisoner to the system. You can't be a robot yep. and say, this is my job, this is what I have to do. Caden Stearns read that play, Turpin puts enough air under it, that as he's rotating over – it's like he's looking at it saying, I can go make that play. Boom, he goes into the boundary, makes the pick, change of possession. He sees the flow of the action and then notices, oh, there's a guy streaking down the sideline. You know what? Let me just go make sure I'm over the top of this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you that, see his closing speed that and he's kind so of, yeah, long and, and fast and he, and he diagnoses Yeah, and he does it really in a ground. fluid fashion too. he just goes over the top and then once turbine throw. And I think he would have been in a good position if it was a really good throw. Yeah, I think he just closed on it because it was it was kind of a poorly thrown. He, he put too much air on it. If it was a good throw, it looked it was, like Michael Griffin's pick yeah, against Liner because throw, it would have been full really, really good. He position. said, "Caden uh, Stearns." Yeah. I, I don't remember who quoted him because I didn't talk to him post game, but I was with a couple other players. But he, I believe he said he baited Turpin into throwing it, like he yeah. held up mm. a little bit he did. to thinking thinking maybe he puts more air under it and it's an easier play. That's Man, his instinct. That's what it I think like. he might have baited that first pick that he got in that Tulsa game. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know on the first play of the game. He, yeah, he I gotta did. Go look at his, I got to go look at his other pick and see if he was baiting the piece. Uh, or they don't respect be, his closing speed because no, he's I, so rangy. No, it's one or the other. I think, well, that could be that because yeah, he don't I mean, have a lot of film on him either. both ways. Um, but I think, I think a lot of it's him just, he's I just, think he's an old soul. Yes. I think he's baiting him, dude. And Agreed. As a DB, I would never bait speed. people because I just wasn't that good. <laughs> like, uh, I was scared as hell. I'm going to get beat on purpose so somebody can throw it and then break? No. Nathan Vasher would bait. I watched him do it a couple of times. That's why he's the all-time tied for the all-time leading interceptions. That's early I would time. never bait. That is so dangerous. You got to be Quandre. Did I didn't have my instincts weren't that good, so I just have to cover my guy. Like uh, most of my like plays, and the, the quarterback buddy. just tried to keep it. Like, oh damn, that's good coverage, and then he gets sacked. But baiting, that's dangerous, man. And I, I love that he does it though at, at such a young age. Shows his confidence, shows his natural instincts, and his natural athleticism. It's he's. He's dangerous. Matt, I, you got blitz percentages in front wow. of you? Yes, yes. Have it great from Texas defense? Yes. 13th in the nation from the DBs and linebackers. 37th with the D-line. Overall, 9th in the nation. Have it. Rod, we, we – And that changed a lot this game. Yeah. Because before this game, it was more uh, – I was telling Rod before the show, it was more D-line in around 80, if I remember right, and around 30 for the DBs. So this game polarized mm. it that you went from top 25-ish to top almost 10 the, if you look at the depth. It, it, got, it got to a point in the USC game, though, I think where I don't think he needed to bring as much pressure on JT Daniels at one point because yeah. they were just ahead and yeah, you can play it. Makes sense. They, they seemed like in the fourth quarter they played kind of more just true pre Event. Hey, just keep it in front of you. Let's not let any big plays behind us. Yeah. But this game, Rod, start to finish, man. They kept they kept the heat on Sean Robinson. Like we said, he was just seeing ghosts at points where he's yeah. That that's when we talk about seeing ghosts. That's when you say quarterback makes throw. You're like, watch. It's like he didn't see him. No, it's because he's thinking, okay, that guy's gonna make a six yard drop. Oh no! And like when you release the ball, oh no, yeah. he never dropped. He's sitting right there yeah. where I'm throwing the ball. So that that's a credit to not just Todd Orlando, but that's a credit to to this defense and and how they. They executed and his versus K State, it won't be as big. He won't be able to do it as much because K State will start off with the running game and the quarterback run game. I don't. Think, what t- well, I thought yeah. TCU probably should have started off with more of. And as we go to the as we start looking at the Kansas State game, I don't think he'll need to because I don't think K State, depending on who they have at quarterback, I think is going to determine play a lot. They'll play both play Skylar Thompson and they'll play Alex Delton. Skylar can throw, but he can't run really well. And, and Alex Delton can run, be able to predict it, but he can't good. really throw well. So it should be except your for scouting. that Delton dude was badass. Yeah, the scouting report should give Texas an advantage. Like, oh, this yeah. guy's in. There's only so much this player can do to hurt us. Uh, and Bill Snyder can break tendencies well. He though, can, but, no, but the player, but the players point. cannot. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. He, Agreed. Yeah, he can yeah. break tendencies, yeah. but players usually don't. Right. I know you can't throw. Yes. Right? I know you can't <laughs> yes. throw it 60 yards. I know you can't throw the comeback. Yep. You know what I mean? I know you can't throw the deep six route. You know what I mean? So I'm baiting all day when Scott Thompson's in there. Hell yeah, throw that. Please throw it. Please. Please, please throw that duck up there. Yep. Alex Delton. All right, you know what? Everybody maintain your pass rush lanes. Make sure we keep contained on this guy. How about some zone pressure so we can keep our eyes on him? You know what I mean? Like, I I think the scouting, but I agree with you. For game plan wise, yeah, expect something different from Bill Snyder. Then he'll bake it into it with trick yeah, plays. Yeah, but in and terms of the like personnel, Texas personnel uh, scouting should give them a huge advantage in this I game. Am, yeah. I picked K State before the year to be in the Big 12 championship game. When you looked at what they brought back, how good Skylar Thompson played at the end of last year, I felt they had the best offensive line in the conference, defense and special teams. You're like, that's Bill Snyder. They'll figure it out. Guys, they're not doing Ooh. anything really well at no. all right now. No. And that's why. If you're a Texas fan looking at this game, it makes you nervous because on paper, Texas is the better football team. Didn't they play? Didn't they, uh, what's that uh, one win they have? Uh, South Dakota. Yeah, they, they were not South Dakota game. State. 
They were South down Dakota. in that game. And, and I watched they them were get, trailing in that game. And they've got blown out by Mississippi State and then blown out again by West by Virginia. West Virginia. I watched the West Virginia game. I watched that game Mississippi was sad. State one also. I, I, something tells me that I, I'm, with, I'm with you, Matt. The, the product that uh, K-State will put out there versus Texas won't look anything like no. the blowout team versus Mississippi State or the team that was blown out versus West Virginia. Because no, the, the, the most troubling thing about yeah. K-State right now, guys, Matt, I don't know if you got numbers in front of you yeah, on K-State. But their offensive line, again, they, I believe they returned all five starters. Yeah. Don Risner and Scott Francis, two of the best offensive tackles, maybe the best bookend tackles in the country, country. when you looked at it coming yeah. into the year. They're just not moving people off the ball. It's absurd, man. They rank 109th in like sack rate on blitz downs when it's ah. predictable pass rush. They're 108th in standard uh, line yards per carry on standard downs. They're 106th in rushing opportunity rate. So stuff rate 110th. But the only thing they're averaged to decent at is efficient passing offense and completion rate. But that's because they've been playing from behind yeah. all game, all season to stay in the game. And, so, yeah. and Bill Snyder, who rarely does this, who, who called out his team via the media and i got something yeah i, I got can't a thought coach on that. a team that can't get six inches um talking yeah calling out the toughness i don't think i can ever remember bill snyder but i think that goes back to that goes back to what i was talking <laughs> yeah. about going into the year i was basing my <laughs> k-state i was basing my k-state prediction off the fact of talking to people close to that program that usually when you when you look at k-state usually in years where they think ah we're not i don't think we're gonna be very good they're usually they're all right yeah. yeah and in the years where they think ah, i think we'll be okay that's usually the years where they're really good. This was one of those years where they felt, hey, I think we got a chance to do something this year. So that got my antenna up. I'm like, hey, if K-State's thinking that about themselves, then yeah. look the hell out because that's usually one of those years, line. like 2012, yeah. 2011, where they're they're really good. And they they just have not been good. And I think that's Bill Snyder voicing the frustration and, and trying to motivate his team. Like, I had confidence in in you young men. I felt like you were very good. I felt like we had a chance to do something special this year and – Again, that goes back to what I said. They're not doing anything really well right now. No. And, you know, Matt, go, you look at the past numbers, like you said, They not only have they been down, but, yeah, everybody can have, like, one good receiver. They don't have, like, the the Tyler Lockett or, the, like, the one no, guy one that you look at and say, hey, do. we got to know where that guy is yeah. at all times. It's just, it's just not working well for them. But I agree with you guys wholeheartedly. Texas will see a different K-State team than the one they look at uh, the West Virginia game on film and when they study that that Mississippi State film. It, it'll be a different K-State team on Saturday. Yeah, and I think the quarterback run game always worries me because we know those guys have success, uh, have, have had success versus the title Lando defense. So when we start to look at this K-State game, again, guys, there's not a lot we need to do in terms of uh, talking about it. It's very different from the TCU game. I just think as we get ready to make predictions – if this, if this is a mature Texas football team, and I know I talked a lot about that going into the season, and they were not a mature team against Maryland, but if this team really has turned a corner in terms of maturity and mental toughness, they'll do what they need to do, which is go to Manhattan, Kansas, and beat a football team that is inferior to them. They are better than Kansas State. And we talk about the losing streak in Manhattan, which is what everyone was talking about, and I'll bring it up. Uh, that props to CB, to Chris Bennett, for, for tweeting this out uh, back in 2002. Uh, which was the last time Texas won a game in Manhattan, which mm-hmm. Rod Babers Amen. was on the field wearing the Stormtrooper whites. Right. The last time Texas won in Manhattan. Would you like to know some of the highest grossing movies of 2002? Probably some Austin Powers. The second, <laughs> the second Lord of the Rings movie, uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire, <laughs> Star Wars Episode Two, uh, Men, in Black, Men in Black 2, Men uh, in Black. Die Another Day, Signs, 
back when M. Night Shyamalan was making movies worth watching. Uh, Ice Age, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, those were some of the top grossing movies. And the songs. Here's your number one songs in 2002. Nickelback, How You Remind Me. Usher, oh Usher, You Got It Bad. Uh, Usher, You Got It Bad. Ja Rule. Ja Rule, had an, ja Rule had two number ones in 2002, Rod. There was a time when Ja Rule was top. Yeah, there was a time when Ja Rule was topping the charts. Ashanti, Nelly had a couple of number ones, including one with Kelly Rowland, who, by the way, at one point in time, dated Rod Babers. How different things could be. And then Eminem, Lose Yourself. So, yeah, it was a jam right there. That was the end of my senior year in high school the beginning of my first year in college which was community college which was a lot of uh sleeping in the parking lot instead of going to class so <laughs> takes me back to a very very Good times. takes me back to that time in life where i did not have anything together but and texas hadn't had their stuff together when they've been to manhattan ever since but in that vein guys how many times has texas gone to manhattan and k-state's been the better football team all of those years except one which yeah. was 2006 which if colt mccoy doesn't get They're hurt knocked out. it's probably a different ball game so, again, I'll go back to, as we start to make predictions, and I'll get us started, Texas is the better football team. They should win. Matt, what's the line on this as of right nine, now? It's up to nine Texas now. Texas open at nine. seven. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, 48 over under. I'll take K-State to cover because, I again, I, I think this is kind of their last gasp. If they're going to make something of their year, this is going to yeah. be it where they kind of put it out on the table. Uh, I think it's relatively slow scoring. I'll take Texas to win 27-20 over K-State. Uh, I'm in that same area. I'll go Texas 30, 31-24. 31-24. Yeah, I'm, I'm right going there. Texas 24, K-State 23. Oh, so Matt likes close. a close one. You got Dicker the kicker well, being Not the hero, as baby. close as it seems. They probably score late to get it in there, but yeah. Okay, nice. All right, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You are more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260, always streaming on the Horn app and on hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you can always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.